0: Good morning. Good, thank you, Miss Marilyn. I appreciate that. How are y'all doing? Good. It is spring and the pollen's out, but we are gathered here at River City, and it's so wonderful to see everybody. My name is Antrimika Knight, and I have the pleasure of welcoming you here to River City this morning. I'm at River City, we read from the lectionary each week. This week, we're reading from Psalms 150, which is actually the last psalm, Um, and it's one full of praise and joy, and very appropriate as we walk out of the resurrection season and just continue to worship the Lord um, day in and day out, and it says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you that we can be gathered. Thank you that we can just worship you for your greatness, for your holiness. Thank you that you are good and perfect. Thank you, Father God, that there is none above you and that you mean that literally you are high in the heavens in a way that we can't actually understand, but we just like to imagine and dream that you are covering us continuously. Thank you, Lord, that there is nothing lower than us because you love us so completely, that you love us so that we we aren't ever alone. We thank you for this opportunity to gather with our sisters and brothers in Christ. Thank you for those who are visiting. Thank you for those, God, who are questioning and trying to understand who you are. May this worship experience be a time for them to become more intimate with you. We love you, amen. So
1: The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So we're going to do prayers of the people a little bit differently this morning. I want you to take about 10 seconds and think, where do I see the need for resurrection? Where do I see dry bones that I, by the Spirit, desire to come to life? And I want you to think through the different spheres in which we pray and prayers of the people. Is it in the universal church? Is it somewhere in our nation or in our government or people in authority? Is it something happening in the world for which my heart is broken and I just see dry bones? Is it someone in my local community where I work, where I live, where I worship? Is it myself or is it someone close to me who suffers and in trouble? And I want you to get that in your head and then I'd like to ask you to stand when you have it. dry bones hear the word of the Lord I will make breath enter you and you will come to life I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin I will put breath in you and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord so God we prophesy to the dry bones in our world, in our nation, in our personal lives, in our community. Will you breathe life? Will you take what was dead and bring beauty and resurrection out of it? Will you let us be the means by which you bring resurrection? as we speak life to dry bones because then you will be lifted up and your glory will go beyond all fame, beyond what you can do for us, will you be lifted up through resurrection that you might draw all people to yourself. As an act of faith, just together, we're going to say, do it, Lord. Amen. On the count of three. One, two,
0: three.
2: Jesus, Amen. we thank you for the Gospel of John. We thank you for the resurrection that we get to be people who don't convince people that you are resurrected. We get to live resurrection so that you can, you can cover that gap and that you can write the stories and you can lead people To you, Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides people back to Jesus at the center, foundational, Jesus Christ, irreplaceable, the center of it all. And we pray today that you would be glorified in such a way that people understand that Jesus, you are the living, breathing resurrection who is moving about our community, our lives, always speaking over us, peace be with you. And I thank you, Jesus, for today. In your name we pray, amen. So last week was Easter. Um, Just a quick recap. Resurrection happened. We talked about the story of the disciples going to the tomb and Mary being at the tomb and how each person had an interaction with what happened at the tomb differently. Mary even talked to angels and to Jesus and didn't know it, which was, to me, something to highlight. And she kept saying, they've taken my Jesus away. And I perceive that as our modern context of our mass community of Christians who perceive that someone has taken Jesus away. And that's a real thing happening. And Jesus has to be the one to look into those people's lives and speak their name so that they know who their father is. They can't just be convinced even by miracles or by the previous version of Jesus. He is not that. He didn't just, it wasn't a blip. Resurrection wasn't like messed up a little bit and now we're getting back to it. It was like supposed to end here so that the new can come. Resurrection Jesus had to be introduced to everyone. And so this week, we're gonna jump right into the next passage, but here's kind of what's happening for them. It's still that day and they now have to figure out how to take resurrection Jesus to the communities around them. The Jesus that now is alive, that has conquered death, that has beaten our worst enemy, death, and this Jesus is now gonna be presented, but it doesn't just happen like you go take this, there's some things that have to, ha- have to happen for them. And so one of the things that I was, I was kind of studying through this week and one of the things I've always had a little bit of a rub with is the idea of apologetics. And I know we've all watched videos where somebody is talking to a certain somebody who is just smart, and understands how to defend the faith, and we've watched the videos where somebody has questions for that person, and the, the other person gets destroyed, and we're like, yes, Jesus, yes. It feels so good to see Jesus destroy someone, right? And I'm not saying that apologetics is not a worthy cause defending the faith, but I am saying that we live in a culture of certainty, and we want certainty but the whole idea of faith is that you're going to get this far and you're going to have to step this far without being certain. Now, I have certainty in my faith, but not because I saw it happen, right? Hear what I'm saying. I know that many of you are certain. Many of you are also not certain. But none of us can escape the idea of faith. And many of us don't want Jesus anymore because of that gap. What do I do if I don't believe? I have to be honest with myself. So today I want to talk about how do you kind of face the gap and allow the Holy Spirit to do the things that need to be done. Some of us are like John, right? Last week that walks in the tomb, sees the stuff on the ground and is convinced. He doesn't do anything with it. He just goes back, right? He's going to be here. Some of us are like Mary who are talking to Jesus for months and months and don't even realize we've been talking to resurrected Jesus. Some of us are like, Peter, we just want to be there first because it's important to us to win. That's I relate to Peter. He gets there, goes in, doesn't believe. All of us are in different spots. All of us have to deal with this gap, and all of us now are a part of the body of Christ that is responsible for taking Jesus to our communities. This is important. So this story today is very important. John writes this about 90 A.D., And I think it's because all of the disciples who saw Jesus and got to say, you're hearing stories from these guys, I actually walked with him. And when you hear somebody say a story like that, it's like, oh, okay. Right? Like, you're believable. You're a source that was there. But we're now getting to the point where all of those people have died. And it's now second Christians from generations a little bit later who have not only heard stories from the apostles. So they've just got stories circulating. And I believe as John writes this, he starts to sense some doubt creeping up in community. So he thinks of the thing that he can do to build faith. And he tells stories about Jesus. He decides, I mean, the scriptures at first were just stories about Jesus. The New Testament wasn't even written down. It was just the stories of the apostles sharing what they saw Jesus do. Can you believe what we saw him do? Can you believe that he did this? He did this to this, these things that were unbelievable. And right. And so when we talk about our faith or we don't talk about our faith, all of us have a certain set of things that have made us either decide or not decide. I know for me, I happen to be one of those guys it's not as difficult to make some big steps. I, I look at things like how the human body works and that's too much for me. It's already too much. doesn't make, s- human birth, doesn't, there's no way. To me it's like not even, there's, it's not, and I, but I understand that's not everybody. I understand for you that might not be enough. I also know that there's times I sat in rooms like this and had some random crazy person spiritually walk over to me and say something they should not know. 100% happened to me. I'm not trying to make that happen to you. Happened to me. I know somebody looked at me from across the room and prayed for my dad and said, does the name Josh mean anything? I didn't know the guy. He's from another place. And I was like, I'm totally out of this room exactly right now. Those things don't... I know when I... When I listen to worship music, for me, that's one of the practices for me that bring immense amount of life. I know when I listen to worship music and I walk around in pace and pray, you've heard me say this, I experience feeling that the presence of Jesus is close. It's enough for me to make the jump. It's enough. So when I I read the scriptures about Jesus being raised from the dead, for me, I can make the jump with confidence. But I also know that I can't make you make the jump. And it's not my job to make you feel bad in your doubt. But I also don't want to leave you there. Don't want to leave you in doubt. That's not a landing place. And this is something America needs to hear right now. It's okay to struggle. And it's good to have questions. But that's not the place to land. It's not the place to plant your flag and have an identity. But we need people that are in that space helping people back to life. And I can promise you that that group of people is not demanded into the faith. That group of people needs to be heard, needs to be loved. They need to be included when they don't even know why they're, why they're around still, as we're going to read today. And so I'm going to read to you John chapter 20, verses 19 through the end. You guys want to open up to your, um, your apps because you're all sinners. Amen? i was just kidding. I mean, you are all sinners, but in the most loving way, responsible. <laughs> Amen. All right. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, still the same day. Okay, this is. She woke up early that morning. Remember last week? She got up early when it was dark to get to the tomb. She sees in the tomb. Oh my gosh! She goes back and gets John and Peter. Runs back. They get there first. They go in. All that happens. She ends up believing so much, and she sent the first gospel messenger is a woman. And sent, she goes out. Now this is a later space in the day. And on that evening of the day, of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, the doors being locked were the disciples. What is going on? Is this is this right English? I can't I can't read offering prayer together with you guys. I do not get like half the words. So reading scripture should be easier, but it's not. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. Where, the see, that's the big thing. Where and were are two different words, guys. And you learn that if you don't take a GED when you're in 10th grade. I think that's 11th grade. I think that's 11th grade. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Every time we see peace be with you, I want you to speak it to me, okay? Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the mark of, his, mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was now with them. Although the doors were locked again, Jesus came and stood among them and said, (laughs) then he said to Thomas, put your finger in here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus told him, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not yet seen and believed. So this is pause. We're all Thomas. They all saw. None of us saw in person Jesus. So this is a prophecy. This isn't a mark against him. All from this point forward, will see because they hear. This isn't just, hey, idiot, you should have believed without. He's saying, blessed are those who will come who will believe because they've heard. That's everyone in this room. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. I'm sure there's so much stuff, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that you may and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray real quick. Spirit of God, presence of God. We need you to lead us to a place where we interact with Jesus in such a way for each of us that we can be convinced. Lead us with so much, God. All of our senses being included, our sight, touch, taste, hearing, feeling. Jesus, help us to see and believe. Help us to understand and love you, Lord. We thank you so much. All right, so really quickly, this thing starts in the dark. At night, they're in the dark and in fear. And I'm not even gonna get into the part where Jesus hovers through walls two times, which none of y'all have ever done or will ever do. I'm not even gonna get to that because that's secondary to the fact that this is a picture, this is a metaphor of him coming in the dark and fear and speaking. And I just wanna give you a little bit of what he says. The first thing he says is peace be with you. And by peace, it's not just stopping what's happening that's bad, but it's, it's also as if he's saying, I ask that God would give you every good thing he has for you right now. And then he says, look. So peace. First thing, peace. Peace. Look. Proof. And then rejoicing happens from who? Joy. And then sent. Peace again. And then I'm sending you. And then there's a very theologically volatile statement that all of you probably noticed and many of you probably struggle with, which is if you forgive, then they're forgiven, and if you withhold, then withhold. I just want you to not, this is one of those scriptures where you see what's being said about forgiveness throughout scriptures, and we know that without Jesus, this is not possible. So there's none of us in this room that can just go and do this without it being connected to Jesus. There's an assumption here, they are going in the place of their father. They are carrying the gospel, which means forgiveness from Jesus. Does that make sense? So don't hear that you can just go in your own power, just unleash people outside of Jesus. I don't feel like many of you are doing that, but I just want to make sure this is not meant to be outside of Jesus that this forgiveness is happening. To embody this message, to embody this gospel is to be able to go and to set people free in Jesus' name, which is amazing to me. And then he breathes on them. I love that you added that scripture. I don't think that was a part of the, the text today. You just added the scripture about breathing into the dry bones, right? I read so much this week about breathing, and I've never thought about it this way, but in that room, if we're in that room with Jesus, all of this, all of this stuff is amazing and we're responding well to it. But he breathes on them. I don't know if you've ever had a mentor in your life, and if that were to happen, what would that what would that even be like? Like one of the commentaries I read was like, did his breath smell like olives? Did it smell like, just even hearing that, I was like, I'm checking out of this right now. Well, did it smell like wine? And some of you are like, heck no, it didn't smell like wine. He didn't drink wine. Well, he made it, so I don't, I don't know. Did it smell like whatever else? Does it smell like what it smells like when you don't have actual toothbrushes? And But I love that it's painting a picture that's also being painted in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And if you'll re- pull this up for us. Then... Then the Lord God formed man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. So he's pulling us back to this imagery where something that is not alive is now being made alive. And he's standing in a room with disciples and he's breathing on them life to now go. Sending, equipping, telling them, you now carry this gospel. That to me is amazing. Thomas gets a bad rap because he's always known as the doubter, right? Like, but he didn't actually get to see. He literally did not get to see what those guys saw. He didn't get to see it, he wanted to see it. He wasn't present. So I think the real issue with Thomas is this, and this is where I think I wanna spend some time. Thomas had a group of people that I think he would call God community. And I hope you have those kind of people around you. This isn't just God community, this is great. This is biblical, and this is needed, and we carry the gospel forward. But the people close to you that you've walked with for long enough that can call you out and also love you well, better than others that don't. His God community shows up and tells him, we have seen Jesus, he's alive. Jesus is alive. He's alive, he's, he's risen. Their rapport was good. But he says to them, no, no, he's, I'm not believing unless I see, but he gets a bad rap for this. We call him what? Dalbating Thomas, right? That doesn't make sense. Dalbating, that word doesn't make sense. Doubting Thomas. He gets a bad rap, but he does what all of us would do. He wanted to see, but he really, this is what he really did. He chose only one method to see. And he decided that he would rather take the gap and use the gap to build a case against than to let it build a case for So I don't think that his big flaw was that he wanted to see Jesus. I think he was already seeing Jesus in his community and decided that that wouldn't be enough. Now, I don't know why that happens for some of us. I don't know why there's some things I could say to you, and just because I said them, you would believe them. And for some of you, just because I said them, you wouldn't believe them. I don't know what makes us believe somebody. I don't know who in your life that if they said something, you're like, yeah, I'm done. I believe everything he said and who you're not. I don't know how that even happens, but I know that there's a list of things that help you doubt God, and there's a list of things that help build your faith. And we have always these things in the balance. And this is what's so confusing about the Jesus we profess from stages all across America and across the Western world, is we've painted a picture of Jesus that when we read a passage about him speaking peace three times, talking about forgiveness as the foundation of what to be sent for, it doesn't look like the Jesus we know. We know a Jesus who is good at helping us get what we want. We know a Jesus who has prophesied to us all the things that will make us feel better. So when we read a passage that talks about a Jesus that is being killed, we don't even recognize him. So your case for disbelieving God and everyone's case for disbelieving God, I think has a lot to do with the people that have brought him to us. What they stand for. How they've lived it. How many pastors do you know that have done the dumb thing? How many leaders in your life? How many people have you seen and thought, that doesn't seem like it matches the gospel? How about when you do see it? When you see someone, I'm just gonna brag on Jen, cause she said, whatever you do today, brag on me. She said, if you do nothing else. so. We got to love and support our friend Katie who needs prayer right now. And you hate me now, but I love you. You should all be praying for her. And I got to witness another person in our community be Jesus Christ to her in the flesh. And it built my faith. I'm sorry if I'm putting you out to dry. It built my faith. And I got to share with her this morning. She responded to a need in four something minutes and she was visibly present to help someone. What builds my faith is seeing people behave in resurrection for others. I don't necessarily care if you tell me all that you know. That's a good thing. But if you can tell me all that you know while living resurrection, and what does resurrection look like? Peace be with you. Let's not confuse this. When we enter anyone's life, peace be with you. If that's not our first motive, we're not resurrected people. Peace be with you, whatever has to happen for where you are poor in spirit to be made peaceful, I am present with you." If that's not our motive, we are not a resurrection people. And then what happens? People rejoice, right? We see the disciples, peace be with you. Look, here's the proof, and then they rejoice. We don't have holes in our hands like Jesus did. We can't be like, look, people will be like, okay. But we do, right, according to Revelation. We do have the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. We can't show these, but I can share with you a story about Jen. And I can share with you how I've seen in my life God show up in ways that absolutely don't make sense. I can show you, right? Look, I'm not here to demand that you receive my Jesus. I'm here to say, peace be with you. And here's how he's done this for me. This is how he's been resurrection for me. And then when you rejoice, when joy enters back in, and you're able to say,
0: hallelujah, hallelujah, amen.
2: My daughter laughed. <laughs> then you can be filled and sent, but do not replace rejoicing before it because we don't need any other unhappy Christians being sent. There's too many doubting Thomases because of those. power of the Holy Spirit is the one who bridges the gaps. That's, somebody should be saying amen. Guys, I'm just telling you. (laughs) Thank you, technology. All right, moving on. So, this is also what I think is important about this. Thomas doubts. He's not present in community. So, if you're a person, he misses the first week. Did you guys get that part? Like they all meet, he's not there. There's no backstory. It's not like Thomas is out sowing his wild oats or Thomas went to Vegas or any of that. He's just not there. And in our doubt, this makes me want to cry again, and I'm not going to cry. In our doubt and in our cynicism, that's the first place we go, away. We go away because we don't want to have to deal with it. But in our awareness, much more can happen for disbelief. So he's found a week later in community. With the body of Christ, which also means that he was not being berated by that group of people. There's a person who is actively doubting, not being able to come to conclusions, still not satisfied, present in their midst. Do you get the implications of that? The requirements and demands, right? They could have made a stance right there. Thomas, believe. Doesn't make sense, right? We still do that today. So if you are someone who is doubting, have the bravery and the strength to immerse yourself around God people, because in those stories you can be reminded, look at my hands. Now that's not easy for people in doubt and cynicism to do. So demanding it will not help. But we have a tool, right? What is our tool we get to use? Anybody throw out a tool here? Don't make our stories, what else? What else? Bible? Just throw out all the Christian stuff. Bible? Jesus? (laughs) Rhymes with care. Hey, thank you. (laughs) So when I have people, and I actively have like five or ten people right now in my life that I am not afraid for, but I am standing in the gap for and trying to be their faith for them, I lift them to the Lord each day. I ask God, I need you to bridge this gap because I can harm them and my need for them to get right. God, you have to bridge this gap. God, community around those who are struggling. And there's ways to paint it that Thomas could have tainted this whole community. Or Jesus could have changed Thomas. Which one do you want? Do you want to be so afraid that Thomas could taint the community? Or do you want to be so excited that Jesus could change a Thomas? Which one do you want us to be? Which one are you at your table at home? Which one are you for your brother that lives in Africa or China or Zimbabwe? Which one are you for your friend who is now reading all those books and you know what happens when they start reading the books, right? Which one are you for those people? Are you the faith-filled believer who is excited about what Jesus will do? Are you the one that is already decided to alleviate them because they are just too far? Which one are we, if not the faith-filled people of Jesus who believe for the gaps to be filled by him, not us? That's the whole point. That's the whole point. I hope there are so many large gaps in here. I hope you have gaps in your life right now that don't even make sense because that's where he comes. It's not faith if you're certain. If all of us were at the foot of the cross and watched it and then walked with him to the tomb and came out, it would just be called God's working on my certainty. God's building my certainty. He's just building my certainty. It's never going to be certainty. It's always going to be faith. And there's a gap that has to be filled by him. And if you're at a spot, listen to me say this, or you know someone who is not willing to make the step, think deeper, think smarter, be compassionate, understand what's happening. It might not even be about Jesus. It could still be about they. They took my Jesus away. Because many of us have been led by people who have harmed us, and I've harmed people I've led, and so have you. Jesus has to be the one. So pray that God can bring them back to him. He can show them. He can do for them. I've seen it. I've seen it this year. All right. So So I'm going to do I'm going to try and close up cuz I had to go a little longer, but if you happen to be in doubt and you are in this room, I'm going to ask you to make a step of faith and put yourself around people that you know care about God and love you. Choose to be around God people. Choose to be around people who live like Jen did for Katie and Katie does for others. And that's what I told Katie. This is not just about how she's the same way. I see it in Sarah, my wife. I see my faith is built. Now she's not as emphatic about worship loudly as I am, But my faith is built because the core issues of how she deals with things is more meaningful at times for me. I get to see her care for people, right? So if you're filled with doubt or you know people that are, how is God asking you to surround them? Does that Make sense? That's growing too. That's not lessening. That's growing in our society. Number two, the gap in your life. Close your eyes for me. there's a gap between you having certainty and what you've been given. And with your eyes closed, I just want you to think through, what are the things God has given me? You weren't at the resurrection, but what are the pieces to the puzzle for you that he has given you? Was it a grandmother? Was it just reading the Bible? Was it a song? Was it a time at youth camp? Was it seeing a mentor actually care for people? What were the things for you that gave you enough? What's not enough yet? What's the gap? And in that space, please keep your eyes closed for a moment. Listen to the words of Jesus saying to you, peace be with you. Look at what I'm doing. And if you have to do like a person close to me did at the beginning of the year and put the seat of the cynical person outside for a little bit, remove the seat of the cynic from your heart, tell that, tell that person in your heart you'll schedule an appointment with them later, what does it look like if you just give him a chance and And so, Jesus, with our eyes closed, you are the resurrected king who starts the ministry with the people that will first take it by saying three times exuberantly, peace be with you. Let him still your heart even now. Hear him say to you, peace be with you. Don't overthink it. Take it from him. Peace be with you. Let him show you how he'll show you. Jesus, as the people of God, every person in this passage, last week and this week, as they begin to believe, it's also a commissioning story. You are sending your loved ones. You are sending your loved ones. You aren't hoarding it up in the house that they're in and asking them to stay there and gather people there. You are sending them all over, sending them with the stories of Jesus Christ, equipped and filled by the Holy Spirit. Let us not, and I'm just gonna pray this over you, God, let us not forget our mission and ministry. We are called to be in the body, to go to the world. That is our goal, to take what we have to others, forgive us for hoarding, forgive us for making it about us and our callings only. Our callings don't even belong to us. They are a part of the body, and the body is here because we represent Jesus. We are the manifestation of Jesus in the world, called to the world, called to Smyrna, to the street we live on, to the fields we play in, to the schools we teach in, to the homes we eat in, to the tables we gather around. We are sent. You are being sent, believing in resurrection. And it's not your job to make people believe. It's your job to live resurrection. We want to live resurrection, Jesus. So stand to your feet, please. Prayer and worship, you can come up. I'm really sorry we kept you for long. Please tell the child care or the children's ministry thank thank you for what they did. I'm gonna pray this over you more boldly than usually. Jesus is a healer. He desires to heal. I can't make you believe that, and I don't desire to, but I do ask that you give him an opportunity to, if you have a labeled need physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally, to say, Jesus, would you, would you heal me? Like blind blind? You say it, wrong, I say it wrong. Blind Bart Emmaus right. Would you that you could, you know, what would you ask him? And if it has to do with your faith. That's a foundational issue. So Jesus, we present ourselves to you as living sacrifices. We thank you for resurrection. And today as we go about, help us to fall in love with you, help us to understand that as Christians we walk in peace, which also means the opposite of that is not where you want us in anxiety and fear, in our dark rooms, hiding away as these guys were, You penetrate through those walls like we prayed in the offering. You don't have to knock or text. You show up with peace, not with anger. Let him be peace for you today. God, I just ask that you would touch the depths of hearts for those who need healing. You can do all kinds of healing. If you can raise from the dead, you can do anything you want. So if you need healing today, let our people Love you by praying with you. I want to close by saying so thankful that I have people to hug on Sunday mornings. It's one of my favorite things to be around. I know I'm awkward, forgive me. I love just interacting with the body. It is a gift for me. It builds my faith just seeing you. So thank you, Jesus, that you've given us Christians that love people well and love people who aren't Christians well. Help us to love each other well today and help us to fall in love with you. In Jesus' name.